Welcome to SolkanaCast, two broads talking broadly about health, the physical, the emotional, the nitty-gritty, and the fun. Real thoughts on real health. The information provided within this podcast is not designed to and does not provide medical advice, professional diagnosis, opinion, treatment, or services to you or any other individual and is intended for general information for educational purposes only. Welcome to SolkanaCast! Ooh, ooh! Ski, ski! <laughs> uh, hey everybody, welcome to SolkanaCast. It is season two, episode four, Organics and Overload. Oh yeah! I'm Hannah Wedeman and with me as always is the lovely Lucia Holly. Thank you, thank you, thank you. She's here. I'm here. In the house. I just want you guys to know that currently we are sitting on opposite sides of the room. <laughs> From one another, <laughs> yelling. It's not awkward at all. It's for you people. It's great. <laughs> Can you hear us? We're speaking very loudly. Yeah. We, we realize we both have like um, voices that only exist on the for the radar of like a, an animal. <laughs> <laughs> like mine is like raspy enough that only like a snake can hear me. And mine is quiet enough that rabbits feel very friendly towards me. <laughs> <laughs> so we're fixing it. It's great. We're going to try to be different people than we are. We're going to be as loud as elephants. Oh, yeah. Which is a great segue maybe to uh, checking in Yeah. on what's been going on in the last week or so. Hannah, do you want to check in with us? I got a tattoo. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. It's my first one. I was so scared, and then it was totally fine. But I got a <laughs> tattoo of an elephant. Yay. They're my favorite. And there's someone riding the elephant? Yeah, it's like my my mystical creature version of myself. Yeah. She's like little, but also fierce. <laughs> You'll have to see it sometime. And the lovely Emily Robinson. Yes, shout tattooed. out to Emily. Made me feel really safe and secure and also humored me throughout the process. Because you guys, it hurts. Did anyone ever tell you that? <laughs> it's like they're cutting your skin and putting ink inside. <laughs> and you, you're just willingly like, yes, cut yeah, my skin. Yeah, go ahead. You know, cut it some more. Yeah. Uh, so how was your week? My week has been good. I've been on a kick I feel this makes what I'm about to say makes me feel like a very, uh, very white, uh, like, mm, food and health <laughs> like type of person. Yeah, like you probably just like do yoga in the yeah. morning. I've been making blended veggie drinks. Oh, yeah. You sound super white. <laughs> I'm so white and my hair is really long and blonde. And I just <laughs> posted about it on my blog. Rapunzel! Ugh, but... I feel so damn good drinking this every day. Yeah. There isn't there isn't fruit in it, so it's just blended vegetable. Okay, give me an example. So I blend up. So I'm not juicing, right? I'm, so I'm just like keeping all the fiber in it, blah, blah, right. blah, blah, blah. Right, right, right. But so my go-to recipe has been half a cucumber, a head of romaine, a handful. A head? Of, a head, yeah. How much romaine you got in that fridge? Um, hashtag Costco. Oh, <laughs> Wow. Yeah, I'm I'm serious about this. So a head of romaine, a handful of like mixed baby greens or something, some other just assorted greens, a bit of parsley, like a quarter quarter cup yeah. chopped up, 
and then a whole lemon with the rind and the white taken off but like all of the juice just chop all that off blended it is so refreshing and you bring me a sip of that sometime i can because i've been getting okay here's the thing i have a csa and i'm i'm on the struggle bus with my csa because it is like straight up zucchini cucumber and (laughs) kohlrabi yeah I, i don't think that would make a good blended juice well, okay, cucumber, yes. Cucumber, yes. Zucchini. I have gallons of freaking cucumber. Yeah, zucchini, a little bit. I think you could chop up some of that and it yeah. would be pretty minimal. Kohlrabi is going to be, I feel like that's Bitter. very similar to broccoli stem. So, yeah. And I, also, like, how am I even going to blend kohlrabi? Yeah, you would need. I think it resists. <laughs> you need to do a little dice or um, mm. just not blend it. Just steam it up, saute it. It's so tasty. I know. I know. I have been. Trust me. I've made kohlrabi stew. <laughs> I've made kohlrabi salad. I've made kohlrabi stir fry. I, there's a lot of kohlrabi in every CSA box. Like way too much. It might be your next tattoo. Yeah. Kohlrabi. <laughs> it's just like a round green knob. It looks it, like a big belly button of the earth. <laughs> yes. Don't you think? That's its other name. The belly button of the earth? <laughs> yeah. So I don't think you can drink it. Can you? The, okay, so I think it depends on the power of your blender. If you oh, have, not if you, powerful. yeah, if you have a high speed blender, then yeah, you could. Mm. What kind do you use? What blender? Do you have a Vitamix? I do have a Vitamix. Oh, yeah. I got married and I didn't even get a Vitamix. Ooh, ooh, we ooh. registered for one and everyone <gasps> was like, ignore. <laughs> <laughs> we did get a stand mixer though. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, so like those are really you, nice. Yeah, pretty much when you get married, you register for a stand mixer and a Vitamix. <laughs> And then see what you get. Yeah, you either get one or both. <laughs> well, Hannah, anytime you want to come to my place and make a kohlrabi shake, you're welcome uh, to. Okay. <laughs> as long as we can mix in some ice cream. Mm. Green tea ice cream. Oh. Kohlrabi ice cream? No. Ah. I do have an ice cream maker. <gasps> well, that's fancy. Got that for the wedding. Okay. See, I feel like that plus a stand mixer makes up for maybe not getting the vitamins. Yeah. There's also like a... a juicer attachment you can get for it oh well i just haven't because it's <laughs> ridiculous maybe you could juice a kohlrabi anyway 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 let's check in about our challenge okay. from wendy last time wendy gave us the challenge to meditate for 10 minutes a day <laughs> i said it was gonna be hard then and boy was i right yeah yeah i just like don't prioritize that mm-hmm it's a problem. I tried a couple times, but like, honestly, I forget. I, self-care is like so low on my list. I forget to do it. It's hard when it isn't scheduled into your day. Yeah. Uh-huh. Because then the next thing you know, you're going to sleep and you're like, I'm meditating because I'm going to sleep. <laughs> this totally counts. This I'm falling counts. asleep. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't, I, doesn't count. It's not the same. No. I also had a hard time with it. Um, which is par for the course for me. I I really like to meditate, and I think I said that when we were talking with Wendy. I was like, that's great. This will make me do it. <sighs> the motivation was still I, – I think I'm in a similar boat to you where if I could get it into part of my routine, right. even if I were like, okay, three days a week when I am waking up Monday, three Wednesday, Friday. Week. That's 30 minutes. I know. It's a lot of time. It is, but it would be so beneficial. I will I say know. as of – Yesterday, I started journaling, and that feels meditative in its own right. Yeah. Which is, I never sit down to write anything. So that's been very nice. Yeah. 
Right. I think there are some things I do that are meditative. Like, for example, I'm always late to record the podcast in the morning because <laughs> I'm a leisurely morning person. Like, uh-huh. I, I'm a morning person. I like to wake up early. But, like, this morning I woke up at 7 and I spent such a long time in the shower. I spent such a long time eating breakfast and doing a cro- like a, doing literally a crossword puzzle because I just like when I wake up in the morning I hate the feeling of being rushed it sets my whole day off wrong mm-hmm. so I purposely like wake up earlier so I can spend more time in the morning yeah I like that so it's like sort of meditative in some ways like sitting there doing a crossword puzzle while I eat oatmeal feels pretty meditative yeah you're taking time for yourself yeah. i would i would count that as self-care okay and it's quiet yeah like n- you know josh isn't awake like the dog is sleeping on the couch like nobody bothers me nobody requests anything it's hannah time it's hannah time <laughs> but sometimes i take it a little too far that i'm like oh my gosh i was supposed to be there at nine and it is nine <laughs> i need to get in the car well good thing you live close yeah i do i do <laughs> i live like seven minutes away but yeah it also helps my road rage to have that quiet morning mm -hmm. yeah honestly if i'm in a rush then like everyone's in my way and i'm like babe 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 (laughs) hong kong (laughs) taking turns real quick cutting people off exactly yeah yeah so so we're trying you know yeah yeah that's all we can that's all we can do yeah so let's talk about organics huh i feel like organics and overload Besides sharing a, a letter, <laughs> I'm like, what is the connection that yeah, we can make? I I don't know, and we'll see if we can find one by the end. Yeah, you know I'm a pro at segues, so <laughs> like the actual physical segue and also segueing from one thing to the next. Uh, photo, please. I'm <laughs> video, please. <laughs> I'm gonna find a thread and I'm gonna carry it on to overload, <laughs> and then I'm gonna ride a segue out of the room while holding thread. Yep. Right? That's how that works. Yeah. Cool. Okay. What's up with organics? Organics. So, oh man, I was doing research for this episode because I was like, yeah, what does, I think a lot of us, especially probably in our bubbles right now, we're in health and wellness field, all of that. I think we get what organic means. There yeah, aren't, to some extent, there for aren't, sure. There aren't chemicals. It's grown naturally. So organic means that produce or the produce that animals or um, other creatures are eating, but primarily that produce is grown without pesticides, synthetic fertilizers, sewage sludge, ew, genetically modified organisms, uh huh, and ionizing radiation. Uh, okay. So let me. A couple of those things I wonder about. (laughs) Yeah, let me go through those. Is food normally in, like, grown in sewer sludge? Big question mark. Uh, No, thank you. You can't be so sure. Uh. (laughs) Okay, so pesticides, what are they? They're toxic chemicals used to intentionally kill living things. So, this is again like an umbrella term that can mean herbicides to kill weeds, it could mean insecticides to kill insects fungicides to kill fungus uh-huh. pretty straightforward synthetic fertilizers are basically they're man-made inorganic compounds um this part i did not know they're typically derived from byproducts of the petroleum industry 
So, yeah, synthetic fertilizers and then the sewage sludge. That is what it sounds like. It's sludge coming from the sewers. Yeah, poopy. Very, I mean, very poopy. Yeah, but you also, know, poop is a great fertilizer. <laughs> well, <laughs> some poop is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the, the other things that are in sewage sludge, it can often test positive for heavy metals. Hormones. For, exactly, pharmaceuticals. Yeah. Flame retardants. Um, and other like living organisms yeah. that we aren't specifically choosing to be living in there. What's interesting too is that the U.S. government regulates only ten of the thousands of contaminants found in sludge. So nine of those are heavy metals, uh. and then the last one is fecal coliform, coliform, which is anaerobic, a rod-shaped, non-sporulating bacterium. So that's tasty. Oh, great! It does <laughs> not help that it's anaerobic. No. Nope, not at all. Damn. Yeah. Okay, and then the last, well, okay, we have two more. Genetically modified organisms, those do not qualify as organic. Right. So that's any organism which has genetic material that's been changed using engineering. So just people are going in and changing the DNA. Right. You know, GMOs are so interesting to me because, like, I, I feel like I, I can see two sides to the coin, right? Mm-hmm. One, there definitely should be labels so people can make a choice. Mm -hmm. Like, I agree with that. I know that that's a big movement right now. It's a very present thing in Europe, and it's not present here. I definitely think there should be labels. But, like, the science part of me is, like, that is so fascinating that we can engineer our food to be a certain way, to, like, look a certain way, act a certain way, last a certain length. I find it to be very fascinating. It's an incredible field. Yeah. And also because we're, you know, genetic modification in humans is something that is really extra fascinating like uh, in animals we do it all the time like i have a shih tzu you know that <laughs> thing was not born from yeah, a wolf right like it happened in a more natural way of modification but still it was forced modification by humans crossbreeding yeah and you know curating a certain outcome is very human there is a movie coming out that i saw a trailer for it's called Morgan. Uh-huh. Have you heard of it? No. It I think what it is is it's this genetically modified person. Whoa. Yeah. And it's a fictional movie, obviously? Yeah. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, hope oh, so. Oh, yes, I did. Did you? Oh, it's like a horror movie. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I watch a lot of horror movies, so yeah. I saw the preview for that. Yeah. It looks interesting. It does. It also reminded me um, of Eleven in Stranger Things, if yeah. you've been watching that, but Eleven is adorable and wonderful and yes. smart and badass, so and cute. Morgan is in a horror movie, so yeah. she's a little bit scarier. So, anyway. Well, that's what, so that's what I mean. It's like, on, on the science side of things, it's fascinating. It's also utterly human to want to do that. It's also in line with like all of the demand that we are putting on our food. Right. We are demanding scientists to create food that can last longer, feed more grow faster like we are asking for that and then at the same time saying no we want it to be a natural process so it's a struggle for me I'm like I can see how the benefits would uh, you know feeding more people that's a huge benefit right I personally don't want to take part in it and I choose mm -hmm. to buy my vegetables through a CSA because I like I like the way they taste better mm -hmm. uh, I feel better when I eat them like honestly emotionally probably more than physically yeah um but it's it's hard because i realize that we you know 
are asking a lot of our land. We are. And I don't, I, I'm in a, again, a similar boat as you. I'm not going to, I'm not taking sides with GMO. I also choose non-GMO when possible, because for me at the end of the day, I don't know. And I don't know if anyone really knows yet we just haven't had much time yeah. with the way that we're yeah. creating gmo products How right we now can alter things yeah so what what's really going on like what are the long-term effects yeah that's what gets me so. and so just in terms of like how it goes into my body that's how i feel but i also realize that gmo products have a huge detriment to the environment because if you change the way a food is able to grow if it's pesticide resistant if it's uh or i'm sorry if it's a um, bug resistant then you have the chance to create superbugs. Mm-hmm. And if you create superbugs, then there are more problems. You have to create more pesticide. And more pesticide equals, um, you know, more damage to the water. And more damage to the water means more damage to animals that live in the water. So it's like, you know, the butterfly effect, I guess. Everything we do has huge detrimental effect to the environment. So it's like... We don't live, we don't live in a vacuum. No. And I think when whenever anyone starts to talk about any subject, we want things to be black and white. Mm-hmm. I think as humans, we want yay or nay, good or bad, but there's so much gray area and there's so much expansive gray area where it's hard to conceptualize all the different ways that there can be a trickle-down effect from one change. Sounds like we need a expert. I think we do. I think we do because this subject is something that is like highly emotional for people. Yeah. And also facts can be misunderstood, misused, you know, they could be wrong, they could be outdated. So uh, like, you know, what people say about that. So we need an expert. So if you know an expert uh, in Minnesota who wants to talk to us, shoot us an email. Yeah. Tweet us. Tweet us. Sulkana podcast. Sulkana podcast. And uh, we will get somebody on the show to talk about this because it is so fascinating. It's a great subject and it'll be great to explore it more. So okay. anyway, anyway, aside from GMOs, yes. what well, else are we talking about? The last part is going to be the non-use of ionizing radiation. The radiation is used to preserve food. It reduces the risk of foodborne illness, can kill any invasive pests that might be on produce. Um, it can also delay or eliminate sprouting or ripening to make foods last longer. Okay, so that's for produce. And then two more things. So for um, organic meat or organic animal products, those animals need to not be taking antibiotics. And antibiotics kill bacteria, right? We, I think a lot of us know what antibiotics are. And then finally, animals also do not take growth hormones. So they're not taking steroid hormones, um, which beef, cattle, and sheep can and do when they're conventionally raised. So that's going to include estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, and then synthetic versions of those two. So we're opting out of animals that take steroids. Yeah, I I have a way stronger feeling about that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Like, obviously, I don't need to be taking any additional hormones yeah i already am always in debate with myself about whether or not taking my birth control hormone is affecting me yep but like hormones are a magical powerful thing they are so powerful yeah i mean they change everything about the way your body presents itself about how you feel about how you're able to to cope with the world yep and if you're getting i can't even fathom what it would be like for me to take growth hormones. I mean, I can 
I would be able to lift more. Yeah. That would be a benefit, <laughs> but uh, I wouldn't be able to compete in my sport. Nope. <laughs> and the outcome would not be pretty. So I don't want to be eating animals that have that. And also, if you look at it from, I mean, you're also, you're coming from background of being a vegetarian for quite a long time, so too. Long. So the animal rights of giving these animals steroids just to make their muscles bigger, to change them, for us to be eating, I mean, there's a huge ethical issue sure. with that as well. You know what I struggle with, though, is the price point. Because, like, what we try to do is uh, we get our CSA, we pick it up once a week. And our CSA cost us 300 for the summer to feed two of us. And then every week I also try to pick up meat and fish from the co-op and from Coastal Seafoods. And then usually I get my staples like grains and um, things like that from Sam's Club or Super Target. Mm. So we're talking three to four trips to get like my basic essentials. And to make sure that we have enough food in the house. So I need to be able to pay for my gas in my car. And I need to be able to luxuriously drive to Bloomington Sam's Club Mm -hmm. or Richfield Super Target and the co-op and Coastal Seafoods and go pick up my CSA. Um, And then on top of that, it costs quite a bit of money to buy organic meat. Mm -hmm. Um, And it doesn't last very long in your fridge. Right. You know That's what I'm saying? That's where a freezer, chest yeah. freezer comes in handy. Yes, totally. a big chest freezer comes in handy, and then you're paying for a chest freezer. Yeah. So it's like I struggle because personally, I try to do my best, and it is hard for us to afford all of that. Mm-hmm. We just like, you know, for two of us, I just do m- my best and try to get the, st- the cuts that are on sale or <coughs> get stuff that I can stretch, like get a cheaper cut of like stew, stew meat instead of getting a steak. Yeah. Um, or getting chicken uh, tenderloins or like giblets or something that's cheaper, that sort of cast off meat, yep. even from organic meat, because yeah. it's otherwise it's unaffordable for us. It definitely is. And one other thing I think you can look at when you're feeling like, like there's that it's all or nothing, it isn't. So when right. prioritizing meat yeah looking for the cheaper cuts and then choosing organic when possible also if you do need to purchase more conventional meat be it beef or sheep or fish or whatever choosing options when they're conventional that are less fatty right so when that is so helpful to know when an animal has if you're choosing a fattier cut so a cut that's more marbled or bacon or what what have you if there's more fat in it and it's conventional, then the risk of having more toxins is going to be higher because that's where creatures and humans and animals store toxins in the fat. And it's the same with fish. And fish. And then the other factor is if you're eating those conventional animals, if they're conventionally, which is unfortunate, if they're conventionally raised, then they're likely not eating a typical diet, a diet that they should be eating. So their bodies are inflamed. You know, if you're eating beef that is grain-fed and corn-fed, that's that's not natural for them. They're going to have some inflammation, and then they get slaughtered, and then you're eating them. If they're more inflamed, they're actually going to have higher levels. They're going to have a different ratio of omega-3 to omega-6 right, fatty right. acids. There we are again. There we are Inflammation. again. Right. So if you're choosing a leaner cut, then you're opting to get 
less of that the omega-6 will be higher in conventionally raised which is omega-6 yes we need it but not in those levels because they're inappropriate levels for that animal so yeah so when when i have to go to the grocery store like if i uh if we're like a little strapped for cash or i need to make a big meal or we're we can only go to cub that day cub just does not have organic options there is no option so i'll stick to something like shrimp or chicken with no skin on or you know what i mean like i don't usually get uh beef or pork products from those places right because i i can get away with a little bit more mm-hmm. with less fatty meats leaner cuts yeah definitely um yeah so instead what is used organically let me tell you we have organic fertilizers and okay. those are basically going to be derived from the animal or Poop. Plant, plant matter yep so Farmers, in addition to what they're putting in their soil, also how they're handling their crops is going to be different. So they'll be hand weeding um, versus using crop covers and all of that. They'll be mulching, so putting shredded wood over to reduce weeds from growing, using cover crops and rotating crops, so changing right. where foods are being grown. So it's they're very important. The number one and. I want to have a, f- I have a farmer friend who I want to interview soon and he can go way into this, but having rotation for where foods are being grown, the number one thing that we're trying to do is increase the, <laughs> the happy, well, the happiness, the, the happiness of our soil. Yeah. We're trying to yeah, get well, really rich, beautiful soil. Cause uh, things like corn, specifically corn and I'm soybean as well, but there are plants that are highly nitrogen reducing in right. the soil, so they'll basically suck all the nitrogen out. And then there are some plants that are nitrogen reviving, and you have to have nitrogen in your soil. That's the that's what fertilizer is. Right. When you're putting fertilizer on the ground, a lot of times it's chemical fertilizer that's just nitrogen. But um, yeah, rotating the plants means that there's less likely it's less likely to be completely stripped. Right, because some of those plants that you rotate in are going to be nitrogen fixing yeah like and alfalfa bringing it back. and also the, the there's some fun buffer crops yeah alfalfa is one of them mm-hmm. you might see it growing along the highway outside of a cornfield for sure. example sure uh and that is meant to prevent a lot of problems like runoff it's also meant to prevent lots of uh animals or creatures or bugs getting in because they'll eat the plants on the outside the alfalfa they like yeah Instead of coming in and destroying the corn. Sure. Uh, Same thing, nitrogen producing. Yeah. And so some other things that improve soil quality, uh, one of them is going to be peat. So that's a precursor to coal. Hannah's nodding. She knows. I'm into it. (laughs) She's into some peat. Again, more animal sources and animal products such as bone meal or fish meal, chicken litter, which is going to be chicken manure mixed with sawdust. And then manure, of course. So Yeah. We're choosing smell that choosing that good poop, <laughs> healthy poop, biofertilizers, um, inoculating the soil with different strains of organisms. So choosing to bring in certain bacteria or fungi, what have you, and then compost. So that's organic matter that has been decomposed. I think a lot of us in Minneapolis are thinking more and more about compost. We had compost bins roll out in the last year or yeah. two, so we can be composting our own home goods and plenty of people did that before but now there's been a citywide effort which it, has been really so great. much easier yep. you have a place to put it yep it's really really handy so 
As far as organic labeling goes, the USDA has three categories of labeling. So something can be 100% organic, and that is exactly what it sounds like. It means that every single product that is making up that, um, or every ingredient that's making up that product is itself organic. The next tier down is going to be organic, just that, no percentage. And that means that that product has been made with at least 95% organic materials. That's a pretty good percent. Yeah, it's pretty high. And then the last one is, quote unquote, made with organic ingredients. And that means... Yeah, so that means, and this actually isn't too bad. It also means it's made with a minimum of 70% organic ingredients with strict rules for the remaining 30%, including no GMOs. Okay, so So if you see the word organic, you're probably doing okay, even if it's... Made with organic ingredients. Right, right. Um, And yeah, the USDA organic seal, it means, again, high compliance. They're doing checks at whatever facility is having to, that's using that label. They're keeping up with those standards. It's so cute. You know, what's interesting is that there is also the label all natural. Mm -hmm. Very different meaning. (laughs) Which... Yeah, I think that's why they. they I would that's hope why they bring food it in. is all natural. <laughs> well, might not be. Right. Add some of that super sludge. Yum. Okay, and then becoming organic. This is something that I was curious about too. So, what does the process look like if you buy land and you want to be growing organic, and then trying to sell that produce as organic? What's that process like? So, it's actually a three-year process. You have to spend two years building the quality of your soil. Mm. And then that third year, even if you're ready to grow produce and you're growing it and selling it, you still can't qualify it as organic until the Uh, next year. That's a struggle because if you want to make money Mm -hmm. on your farm, um, especially if you're a small producer and you're not having a lot of subsidy, then you might just like have to go an alternate route like csa for example csa my csa does not say organic but like what else is it yeah (laughs) they don't use any pesticides so csa stands for community supported agriculture and that means that people are basically choosing to pay a farm up front at the beginning of the growing season a certain amount of money to give that farm that money so they can grow their crops and then they're signing up to receive vegetables throughout yeah, the season. Yeah, knowing that you can't choose the vegetables. You can't choose the vegetables. Can't control the weather. Nope. So there might be a good week or a bad week. It yep. just says what naturally happens on farms. Or just like a good season. I've had, mm. uh, there was a, like four or five years ago, my CSA, the season was so bad. There was like a bunch of hail mm. during the middle of the summer. Mm-hmm. And we had two weeks without a box. Oh, Wow. But they didn't, re- you know, they didn't refund us, and I didn't. I wouldn't have asked them to. Right, and that's the point of the CSA is that you're just, you're, you're all, you're all hoping for the best and supporting yep. them and what's going to happen because they are dependent on the weather and these factors that they can't control. So simply put, organic produce because of everything that we just talked about is more expensive, and it's really reflecting the true cost of growing, which is hard to control and is higher quality. And because of higher quality, there's more labor. It's more management intensive. Right. Um, organic farmers don't receive federal subsidies like conventional farmers. So <sighs> it's, again. Seems challenging. It's challenging. And if we add on that macro lens and we're backing up and looking at industry and any of that, it can get uber depressing. But I think there are definitely things that people can do, ways that we can choose 
how to try to support as we can. Sure. I mean, per, if you, the demand is higher, mm-hmm. there's going to be more organic farms. Like, that's just how it's going to be. Right. And one thing I wanted to say, too, is that having a product, um, produce, or, you know, some sort of processed product in a, in a natural food store that's saying organic has that labeling that's really expensive that's a hard process to get through that's great when you can find products like that but if you can also support local growers who can't necessarily afford to actually have that label of organic just talk to them get to know your your growers go to farmers markets reach out to people who are getting csas talk to them about their farmers and then you'll probably find out that a lot of people have practices that are very aligned with supporting proper soil nourishment and growing good hearty vegetables yep. that can't necessarily say, I am organic. Yes. They're like, hey, psst, we're probably considered organic, <laughs> but we can't legally say that. Yeah. Yeah. So last thing, how does this affect my body? Why are we choosing organic? A, we're choosing organic because it's helping the soil stay healthy and we want to protect our earth. Um, but also kind of the main point with eating organic and there are lots of people you can get all up in arms about lots of things but my main point is that if we're choosing organic we're choosing fewer chemicals that's going to help our bodies be less burdened so we can go through our days more easily we're choosing less of less pressure we're putting less pressure on our livers right just like you were talking about processed foods yep the more processed a food is, the more more our body's going to have to go through to break it down. Right. Or it might not have the proper resources to break it down. Right. And then it's staying in our bodies. So anytime we can reduce that burden on our liver, that can influence a whole slew of different effects. So we could have better sleep. We could have more energy. We could, I could possibly change our appetite a little bit because we're able to choose foods that are more in tune with what our bodies need. We could have a little bit of weight loss. Whole, yeah, whole range of what can happen. So social implications, internal implications, ethical implications. Lots of stuff. Lots of stuff. Organics is such an interesting thing and I really feel like we need to interview an expert because now I have a thousand questions Mm -hmm. and I'm sure you do I do Uh, especially after doing all your research so I'd love to get somebody on the show so tweet us still kind of podcast we need to know who who do you recommend in the Minnesota area or someone we could talk to on Skype that can give us the lowdown on organics this brings me to my challenge for you and our listeners it's going to be similar to a few other challenges where I want you to take notice this week. Aside from fruits and vegetables, what other foods are you getting in that are or are not organic? And if you don't know, can you do the research and find out? Uh-huh. Once you do, is that something that you can then switch to at least 50% organic to reduce your toxic load? Okay. That's my challenge. Love it. All right. Shall we? Shall we talk about overload? Yes, please. All right. Well, let me segue into that. (laughs) Plants, produce that is uh, non-organic, on which we use a progressively more and more fertilizer and pesticide, eventually becomes resistant to said fertilizer and pesticide and needs to have more or a different type applied to it in order to grow to the same size 
or two survive in the same way? Whoa. The same thing is true about your body <laughs> minus the fertilizer and pesticide part replaced with strength training. Yes. How you like that segue? Yes, queen. Beep, beep. Beep, beep. Okay. <laughs> Drop the mic, but please don't. But it's I expensive. Won't. It's so expensive. <laughs> um, all right. So the overload principle is like the most basic principle of strength training. And, you know, people take this basic principle and they use it in a million different ways. But essentially what it means is that you have to do more and work harder in order to see new results from the same type of exercise. Sure. So the overload principle is really, really important in strength training, but it's also very important in athletics. Obviously, if you're playing soccer and you want to be an elite level soccer player, you can't just do what you've been doing. You have to work harder. You have to train differently. You have to uh, challenge your body to break out of the comfort zone that you're in. Mm. Which is why it doesn't work to just go to the gym and run three miles on the treadmill and lift the same dumbbell week after week after week. You eventually see a plateau mm. and you don't see any more change. Your, your routine becomes routine and your body's like, I got this. Exactly. Boring. Your, yeah, your body becomes totally adapted to what you've asked it to do and then you're not going to see any change mm. so and, and that's the same thing with food really yeah if you're yeah if you're you need to like create a change in your body by creating a change in what you're taking into your body our bodies are adaptive mechanisms or they have plenty of adaptive mechanisms yes. and they are adaptive and they i think our bodies enjoy adapting yes exactly exactly and so that's the same thing in strength training if you want to get stronger if you want to be more dynamic if you want to be fitter if you want to be more toned if you want to be better at your sport the overload principle applies in different ways to all of those things mm. you have to challenge your body beyond the challenge that you're giving it now in order to get stronger and better. Makes sense. Yeah, it seems really simple, right? Sure. I mean, but it's like the underlying principle of what we do. The principle makes, yeah, it's very simple and it's straightforward, but then I think applying it and doing it, that's the hard part. Yeah, certainly it's hard on your own. Yeah. And that is why people ask or pay for programming, pay for coaching, is because then the coach can see what exactly it is that you need in order to be overloaded right because it can be very different like like you could overload by in a really simple way I could say okay tomorrow I want you to do five sets of five reps of back squat at 100 pounds mm -hmm. and then next week on the same day you're gonna do the same reps and rep scheme but you're gonna do it at 105 pounds mm -hmm. and we could keep going like that but it's it's not that simple unfortunately yeah there are many factors well that has its limits it just has its limits if you just take the principle for what it is and you just like move forth and i'm only going to add weight every week and i'm just going to see how it goes yeah you will eventually reach a limiting factor because i think even with that i don't know if you agree but with that that's that becomes routine in and of itself that routine of slowly moving weight up you're not yes. adding in all these different factors that you could. Right. And and yeah, it does become routine if it's the only thing you're ever going to do. Right. But also at some point you're doing 180% of your one art max and your body might be adaptive, but mm. it can't adapt that quickly. Mm. Especially because, which we'll be talking about in a couple of episodes, deloading is a part of overloading. Aha. 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 Can't one without the, the other. The plot thickens. Yep. And overloading is not linear. It's cyclical. 
Oh, snap. Yes. Dropping that knowledge. Yep. I'm trying not to drop the mic. <laughs> God, please. Uh, so so it, on, the, on the face of it, it seems very simple and super intuitive. Like, obviously, if I want to get better at something, I have to challenge myself more. Right? If I want to learn new words, I have to read new words and practice using them. Right. It seems obvious. Right? In order to be able to be better at handstands, I'm going to have to get myself into a handstand more often mm-hmm. and in more challenging ways. So do you feel like there are strategies There's to so, overload? so many strategies. And is that overwhelming in itself? Is picking it a strategy? Uh, it depends. Like, if you're training on your own, I think it can be overwhelming, especially if you're like, well, how do I do these all at once? Yeah. But you don't have to do them all at once. It, in fact, when I'm programming for the gym, I think about – an overarching, you know, an overarching principle for how we're going to attack a cycle. Mm. Like right now in our summer cycle, we're on a 12-week cycle, and I have a strategy for how we're overloading. Mm-hmm. And that strategy is going to change throughout the year. It's going to change depending on uh, how, like, what people are w- wanting, mm-hmm. what people are looking like, how they're responding to the stimulus. It's just going to be different every time. When you're working out on your own. You can just start by choosing one thing and trying it out. And once it stops working, you could try something else. And that, I think, is a very important part. Once it stops working, knowing what the heck that means. Yeah. Like, if you stop making progress or you can no longer do the thing that you're trying to do, or you do it but you're not noticing the results that you want, like you're not increasing your one rep max or you're not increasing the look of your muscle, depending on what you're trying to train for. Mm. Um, yeah, you're going to have to change it up. And that's why we have you. That's right. <laughs> so let me let me tell you a little bit more about overload. First, it only works if you're using proper technique. Okay. So like if you're running and you're trying to progressively add your, like let's say you're just trying to increase distance, which is a, a thing people do, right? They do couch to 5K and they want to just increase their distance overall. Um, and they might just start from running one mile in the first week and then running three miles and then so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. Well, if you're not using proper running form or proper running technique, then overloading your body is not going to help you become better. It's just going to lead to injury. Right. Yeah? Yeah. I mean, if people are running doing a couch to 5k and their heel striking they're gonna notice that they are getting pain in their knee right yeah yeah if you're squatting and you're trying to add five pounds every week but you're above parallel and your knees are dropping in and you're on your toes and above parallel means that you're just not going you're just not your full full range of motion yeah exactly then you're gonna find that you uh reach either reach your plateau much quicker or have injury so you want to overload while also addressing and fixing, ideally, any weaknesses. Yeah. I mean, for a beginner athlete, full range of motion at body weight is overload. Yeah, totally. That's why when, when we're in the gym, I'm like, I would rather you lunge with no weight on your back and reach the floor than do lunges with a barbell on your back and not be able to reach the floor. Yeah, because that'll keep your body safe and that'll train your body to be like, this is the movement that I want to be trained in yeah and even less subjectively in the principle of overload 
it is overload for mm-hmm. somebody to reach full range of motion when they normally cannot. Which is exciting for new athletes. Because yes. I think once you, especially if you're walking into some sort of gym, like a CrossFit where you see people lifting really heavy things and doing these cool moves and you're like, Ugh, I can't. I can't do that. Yes. You're already doing it by doing the body weight or right. by doing the, the scaled version of it. You yes. are, you're pushing yourself. Setting up, if everyone's setting up for back squats and they're throwing hundreds of pounds on the bar, and but you end up doing five sets of five with no weight, but full range of motion with lots of control and good technique, then you are achieving an overload on your body that will create adaptive effects. Pat yourself on the back. Yeah, you give don't yourself have to a throw, hug. Exactly. You don't you have to throw it. 100 pounds on no. right away. That's just not how it works. No. Of course, easier said than done. Try explaining <laughs> that to an athlete when they are, like, really psyched up. Yeah, yeah. So uh, so that's the first thing. Your technique has to be on point. Your form has to be good, or you will end up just having uh, a different effect than what you want. Mm. Uh, the other thing is that oh, in terms of beginners – Overload is going to look really different for a beginner athlete, but it's also going to look very different for an experienced veteran athlete. Mm. So if somebody has been doing, like, I've been doing CrossFit now for six six years. I've been lifting for a long time. It is harder for me to overload my body, and it takes more strategy for me to see results. Mm. Okay. When you first start lifting, like, you start squatting, you start deadlifting, you're going to see really quick progress your body will adapt very quickly to overload you'll be able to take bigger risks and make bigger moves Mm -hmm. in your overload uh and you'll see results faster and those people never feel like they have to deload (laughs) they just get on this like high of they're like i can add weight every time more 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 yeah more 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 bye 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 exactly (laughs) so that's those are the two things it's like if you're brand new Overload is going to be maybe even just moving correctly. Mm-hmm. And then if you've been really experienced, overload might be a combination of strategies. Mm. Yeah. So there are lots of strategies to overload. Do you want to hear some? Please. Okay. Uh, here's one. Same load, greater range of motion. Okay. Okay. So that's like what we are talking about with body weight. Yeah. Same load, your body. Yeah. But greater range of motion, a full push-up right? instead of a push-up to a box. Sure. There's no point in waiting a push-up if it's only to a box, right? Right. should be full range of motion to the floor first. Yeah. So that one seems relatively obvious, but yet is the hardest to convince people to do. Totally. Next one, same load, more volume. Okay. So same weight, more reps. Sure. Right? Or or uh, more sets, like seven reps, uh, seven sets of five mm-hmm. reps. Um. Heavier load. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's the obvious one. Right? I think that's the one people will go to first. Yep. Keep everything the same, but add more weight each right, time. Right. Uh, same load, less rest. Okay. Uh-huh. That's, that's something we've been doing lately in the gym. Yeah. Less rest in between our sets, mm-hmm. but the the weight itself is not increasing. True. Same load, but faster. So try to actually move the weights faster. That's a very CrossFit principle. It is, definitely. Move the weights faster. Do more work in a shorter period of time. Right. Same load, uh, more power, as in, like, set a time cap and do as many reps as possible. Okay. So not just do seven reps as fast as you can, but do as many reps as you can in a certain amount of time. Okay, yeah. Again, very CrossFit. Sure. Uh, Same load, same volume, more often. 
Okay. So five by five, instead of once a week, you do it twice a week. Mm. Uh, but you keep the weight the same. You just do it all the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> same load, less body mass. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Lose weight. <laughs> Lose weight. Use this, move the same load. Right. That is going to be an adaptation. Right. Yeah. Because yeah. now it's more percentage of your body weight. Right. Uh, and then there are a whole bunch of other ones, like drop sets or negatives or... What's a drop set? Like a drop set is like, uh, I did a drop set yesterday. For example, I worked up to a heavy six in my shoulder press. And six means? Reps. Okay. Six reps. Heavy yep. six reps. Yep. Went to the heaviest six I could do, mm -hmm. took off 20% and did three drop sets of six. Okay. So once I m ma like taxed my muscles, I took some weight off and did some high volume sets gotcha okay negatives moving the weight in the opposite direction like if you're working on your pull-ups a pull-up negative is a great way to do that boy those are hard yes they are <laughs> uh but like they do that all the time in uh deadlifting like you know start with the weight higher and slowly work it down okay or like on bench press it'll be a slow tempo to the chest sure uh tempo reps <laughs> So three seconds to the bottom of your squat, two seconds to the bottom, stand up. Mm -hmm. uh, a burnout set. Your last set, as many reps as possible. Pause reps. So like you do a clean, but you pause with the knee for three seconds. Mm. Tempo reps. We already said that. Static holds. So um, taking your weights for, uh, let's say, a, a snatch and holding at the hip and then holding in the catch all those things are going to be a variety of ways yeah that's when all those like fun accessory style lifts come into play sure when they're like okay well now we're going to do a combo we're going to do like six things in a row and <laughs> it's going to be all different varieties of a squat and the first one's going to be a one and a quarter rep and then the next one's going to be a hold at three seconds at the bottom and then the next one will be a full squat so as a coach and as a trainer, how, I mean, that almost seems like, to me, that's overwhelming. Be like, yeah, there's so many choices. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How do you, how do you choose? You, you kind of, what you, th there's a few things you think about. One, you, as a coach, you realize that it's going to all move in cycles anyway. So trying something for a cycle is going to be beneficial to everyone no matter what. Mm. And if you're willing to give it a shot and actually see it through, uh, it, you could pick any one of these. And just move forward with it. The other, but if, uh, as a more experienced coach, I'm also going to look at what the gym needs, what my clients actually need, and go from there. Like, for example, last winter, I was noticing that after coming from a, um, a cycle where our overload was essentially go heavier mm -hmm. each week, mm -hmm. deload, start slightly heavier and work up again. So this, that's a very common pattern you'll see. I noticed that people were having less control in their reps than I would like. Mm. So in our next cycle, I added in tempo reps. So people were doing four-second descents right. with a hold at the bottom and then three-second ascent. Right. So very controlled. Yes. So adding in elements of control, and that cycle was shorter, and then we went back to working on overloading through weight. Gotcha. So it kind of depends on what you see as the problem. Mm -hmm. It also depends on the sport. Like uh, football players or like basketball players 
they are going to do a lot more explosive training. So they might do a lot more uh, work that's like five sets of three uh, hang power cleans with 30 seconds rest between sets as fast as you can. Sure. They're really, really pushing. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a, that's a way of doing overload as well, even if the weight doesn't change. Right. Um, and what they're trying to do is get a, an adaptation of like, you know, fast twitch yeah. muscles, be able to do strength elements as quickly and ag- as aggressively as possible. Right. So that depends as well. Yeah. Um, if you're a power lifter, if you're somebody who's just trying to achieve the heaviest weight possible, then you're going to do more more overload that's based on increasing the load while keeping the volume relatively low. Mm. So it, it all depends. Yeah. It right. all depends on what you want. Yeah. It's every it's going to be for the individual. And then I think that's where that's so neat that they're especially right now with how popular CrossFit is and how many different ways you can specialize. You can always seek out people to help you achieve what you yes, want to achieve. Yes, there are so many programmers available. There Even really if you are. just have a coach that does your online programming, that sends you, like, for example, I send you six weeks of pull-up programming. Yeah, the fact that there is online programming. Right. Yeah. Uh, and that's, you know, it's all based on the same overload principle, and it's just different ways of attacking it. Right. And a couple things to note are, like, it might work for you really, really well for a short period of time to do like, let's say you're like, okay, well, I'm doing a hypertrophy cycle. So I'm overloading through volume. Mm. I'm purposely doing like set eight sets of 12, right? Just like burning it up. And that works really well. It might not work as well the second time. In right. fact, it probably won't. <laughs> yeah. Unless you have a full, you know, six months in between and then you attack that cycle again. Mm. So just remember that it might not work as well the second or third time. Uh because your body is now adapted to this psych, this way of overloading, you're going to have to try something different. Right. And that's actually, that would, I mean, that sounds like a sign of success. Yes. Your body's adapting. It's doing what you wanted. As frustrating as it can be, (laughs) it is happening. Yeah. Um, The other thing is that you have to remember that uh, overload is not linear Mm -hmm. and it must be done in a cycle in order to work for the long term. Sure. So, for example, uh, right now in the gym, we're doing an overload cycle that is three weeks on overload, one week of deload. And each cycle, each four weeks, the number of reps changes, Mm. goes down, so the volume goes down, and the weight goes up. So, week one, we might start with five sets of 10 at 60%. Week two is three sets of 10 at 65%. And then week three was an AMRAP set at 70 percent as many reps as possible Mm -hmm. at 70 Mm percent and then we deload we go off that we don't do it for a week we come back the next week and we start at 70 percent sure so we go 70 75 80 deload come back 75 80 90 deload sure come back 85 90 95 so slowly bumping things up exactly without burning out exactly yeah it's like it's like (laughs) hearing about all this it's reminded me of like a symphony or some beautiful piece of yeah. music where there's like tension and build up and then there's release and yes. there's relaxation and then there's tension and build up again, but it's in a slightly different form because it's keeping you on your toes when you're listening. Exactly. Working out is exactly. just like a piece of music. Exactly. <laughs> and if you treat it that way and you see the highs and lows, then you'll start to appreciate things like your deload week. You'll start to see the benefit of going down again and, co- and working back up. 
uh, if you see it as something that is meant to be a lifelong way of adapting your body, then you'll appreciate those times when you're doing a little bit less work or you're doing more work uh, and or when you're completely resting. Right. It takes you out of your head, too, when you're mm-hmm. in it and you're like, oh, I'm in this weird, what's, yeah, some week that you either don't like, whether that's too, that's the overload or it's the deload. You can always reflect back on, okay, but what is this giving me in the bigger picture? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the other way to approach overloading that I think is really going to help people is to think about overloading as a way to make progress in all areas, Mm. not just on your one rep max. Sure. Because one rep max is like, it's a great indicator of, you know, raw strength, but it's not the only indicator of raw strength. Mm. In fact, I personally think three rep max is an even better indicator of your strength. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Five rep max, 10 rep max. How have those things changed for you sure. in the last year, in the last three months, uh, during the cycle that you're working on? People are really, really into one rep maxes. They're in love with one rep maxes. They mm. want to do them all the time, but your body can't handle that kind of overload on a constant basis. And it's not the best way to get strong by just doing one rep maxes all the time. Increasing your five rep max, your three rep max, your two rep max, those are all going to help you build up your heavy single. Right. So not being too focused on that final outcome, but seeing the process as part of the growth is really, really helpful as well. Definitely. Yeah. Cool. Love the process. What do you, I feel like my challenge is impending. (laughs) Yeah, so (laughs) you're going into... Uh, week now where you're about to have um, four sets of five okay. back squats. Uh huh. And what I want you to do is do that week a four by five. Um, and I want you to notice. First of all, I want you to go back and look at if you've ever done that weight before. Okay. For sets of five. Sure. Go back and actually check in and see if this is new for you. Mm-hmm. And I want you to notice the difference between that challenge. And the challenge that you did this week, which was six sets of five at a slightly less weight. Right. How does it feel? What's the difference? What stimulus is your body feeling? And how is it affecting your movement? Okay. I can do that. So it's just take notice. And yeah. then as, I mean, your challenge will continue on because as you go into the next few weeks, you're going to continue with fives. Then we're going to threes and then we'll do our singles. Mm. So <clears throat> start to look at your numbers and see if, as, as you've been working through this overload process, if your fives have changed, if your threes have changed, if those weights have gone up as well. Sure. Because, like, for example, just yesterday when I typed in your six by five at 105 pounds for mm-hmm. back squat, you got a gold star. Yay. Which means that I was a PR. Yeah. As weird as it is to be like, oh, my six by five PR is 105. <laughs> yeah. That's what it was. Yeah. Because before that, you've never, ever done that weight for that amount of volume. Sure. That is overload. That is a PR. That is the best you've ever done appreciating those moments will help you see the bigger picture definitely awesome organics and overload yeah we did it yeah do you have any questions for me about overload i don't know if it's a question but i think talking about overload has helped me reflect on how individual it is for everyone yeah and i think that's such an important part especially when you're working out in a group setting and you see other people and even if everyone's like 
don't chase after anyone is all about you and scaling as you need it's still so easy to be like but why can't i right why but how also come your they needs do that? might be different like definitely are there, so, you know i had somebody recently who was like i'm not making progress during this cycle i'm really frustrated and i was like okay then for the next three weeks I want you to, when you're doing your back squats, I want you to only back squat to a target and you have to freeze at that target for a full three seconds before you stand up. That sounds challenging. And then like, boom, you broke the wall and he was making progress again. Awesome. Right? Yeah. So increasing control in that case, but keeping the volume the same. Right. Awesome. What a great show. Yay. We are still so far away from each other on the other <laughs> side of the room. No mics have been dropped. Nope. Uh, you should definitely, definitely tune in next week because we are interviewing one of my personal heroes and my gymnastics coach, Alex Lachance. She's coming up here from Texas. Aw, yeah. Yeah, and she's going to talk to us about all sorts of stuff, including butt. Butt. Your butt. All about the butt. Glute work. Glutes. We're going to talk about glute work. She's going to talk about gymnastics. We might talk a little bit about body image. Oh, totally. It's going to be great. I have so many questions for her already. Me too. I hope you all tune in. Join us next week and check out our older episodes for, you know, to catch up, to brush up. Don't forget to tweet us how your challenges are going. If you have questions for us, if you have thoughts, ideas, good. We want to hear them. You can find us at Sokana Podcast. Yes, podcast. Podcast. Thank you all. Have a wonderful week, and we'll see you next time. Sulkanacast is produced by Taj Ruler. Subscribe on iTunes or visit sulkanacast.libsyn.com. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N.com for full episode information. You can also visit our website at sulkanafitness.com to stay up to date on everything health and fitness. Join in on the conversation over on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Sulkana CrossFit. See you there.